0: Last week uh, I issued a challenge, I asked the parents of America to put, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early, but instead of a good present I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents. And a lot of the kids surprisingly reacted poorly to that. Charlie? I don't like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? Mm, no. What are you doing? <laughs> <neck>? Oh, okay. <laughs> what is that? I got a girl activity book with stickers. I'm not a girl. Me, <laughs> I'm not a boy. I'm not a boy either. <laughs> the worst person ever. Open it up. You didn't want that for Christmas? You stinking (laughs) parents! Take this back! Take it back where? This is yours! I want a refund! It's a half-eaten sandwich! Isn't that what you asked for? No, I asked for a toy. What did you say about Santa? Why? Because you gave me a stupid little kitty jazz. What did you get, Jason? Some black beans, cheese, and a waffle house hat. What's in there? A feather. Of- oh, you got a Mr. Potato hand. They're from Santa. no, Santa did not have those things. You Are you upset? You <laughs> stupid parents! I hate you! I hate you all! <laughs> what? I got ponies! That was your great grandpa's camera. I got ponies! Hey, what's mm-hmm. nice? What's wrong? You're not excited about your presents? really hard about what to get you this year. Well, you didn't do a very good job. It's the worst Christmas I ever had. Um, let me just say, if some of those kids were my kids, I'd take their real presents back. Yeah, uh, but that's hilarious. My favorite one is the mom that said, oh, you got black beans and cheese and a Waffle House hat. And then his brother got an actual potato, and she was like, you got Mr. Potato Head. That was my favorite. Um, You know, I don't know what your best Christmas ever might have been. Think back right now. You don't have to say anything. Uh, It's not necessarily an all skate here where you're talking back to me, but think about what your best Christmas ever was. What, what did it look like for you? I think in this room, with this, this number of people, it's probably a lot of different things. But what was your best Christmas ever? You know, maybe it was the time when you were a child, and there was a gift that you had been wanting, and you didn't think there was any way that your parents or even Santa could afford it, and so you get to Christmas morning, and you open it up, and there it is. It is the present that you didn't think there was any chance you were going to get. And you remember opening that and you remember thinking, man, this is the best Christmas ever. Maybe it was, you know, a little bit older in life for you. Maybe you were away at college or maybe you were serving in the military and you didn't think you were actually going to get to be home for Christmas. And somehow the planets aligned and somebody somewhere pulled a string and you found the money or you got to get on that flight or you bummed a ride with a buddy and On Christmas morning, you were at home with your family celebrating, and you just, you were old enough and mature enough to understand, man, this is the best Christmas ever. Maybe it's even a little older in life than that for some of you. Maybe as a parent or even a grandparent, in the last few years, at some point in your life, or maybe several years ago... You were sitting around looking on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, and you were looking around the room, and you saw your kids or maybe your grandkids or those that were close to you, and they were sitting with you in that room, and man, you thought, this is the best Christmas ever. I don't know what the best Christmas ever looks like for you. You know, I think for a lot of us, it can be a lot of different things. But here's what I know. Here's the way that I define the best Christmas ever. The best Christmas ever usually involves getting a gift you weren't expecting or it's experiencing something that exceeds your expectations. The best Christmas ever usually involves getting a gift you weren't expecting or experiencing something that exceeds your expectations. And the cool thing about this description is that it can be applied to a lot of different Christmases. Maybe there's several Christmases that you've gotten a gift that you weren't expecting or several Christmases where the experience exceeded your expectation. But I know that all of us at some point in our life have had a best Christmas ever. And here's what I love about this definition. It doesn't mean that your Christmas is the best Christmas that everybody in the world has ever had. It just means that your Christmas, that Christmas, was the best Christmas you've ever had among all the Christmases that you've celebrated. And so every one of us in the room, no matter if the last few Christmases have been horrible or the last few Christmases have competed for that title of best Christmas ever, every one of us has some idea of what that best Christmas looks like to us. The other thing that I love about this description is if we go back all the way to the very first Christmas, we can find a similar depiction of a best Christmas ever. This Christmas story that we celebrate during this season, other than Santa and the elves, which, you know, I I don't demonize those, we celebrate those things. Other than that part of it, the actual story of Christmas that we celebrate is the story of Jesus Christ coming to earth as a baby. And I know sometimes that gets lost in the commercialism and the consumerism and the celebration and the gifts and all that. But really, the, the gift of and the celebration of Christmas is a story that we can read out of Luke chapter 2. And so if you've got a Bible, you can flip with me to Luke chapter 2. If you have an app on your phone or a smartphone or something, you can flip with me there to Luke chapter 2. If not, the words will be up on the screen in just a minute. But here's what I want you to know about what we're going to read today. We're going to read a lot about the words of a key character and group of characters in this story we're going to read the words of some angels. Now, you know, in certain movies, even during this season or other seasons during the year, we read about angels, we hear about angels. But sometimes, you know, if we add in that part to the story, we can think that, oh, well, that's angels and I don't see angels today necessarily. And so I'm not sure how true that is and I'm not sure how that applies to me. But I don't want us to lose the fact or lose the idea here that in the story of Christmas, especially in the account here of Luke 2 and even in some of the other parts of the gospel accounts of Christmas, the angels play an incredible role in the telling of the Christmas story. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But they are perhaps, other than the Holy Spirit, they are perhaps the most pivotal players in the entire drama that we know as the Christmas story. No other character, no other person, no other entity other than the Holy Spirit plays a larger role in the telling of the Christmas story than the angels. Think about this in the Matthew account of the Gospels. Matthew tells us that it's angels who brought the announcement of the pending birth of Jesus to Joseph, his earthly father. The engaged you know, male in this Mary and Joseph that now we just seem to gloss over and we say, yeah, you know, that's Mary and Joseph. That's Jesus's earthly parents and Mary actually carried. But, you know, I don't know how how often we think about Joseph. Even in our culture today, the idea that Joseph would get the news that his engaged-to-be wife was carrying a child that he knew was not his, and yet he would stay with her and be with her and take her to himself and say, yeah, I'll still carry, I'll still take you as my wife, even while you carry a child that I know is not mine. Even in today, that's a little bit of a stretch for some people not for everyone. I know there's incredible stories of the redeeming love of God kind of expressed in situations like that. But man, can you think about being Joseph in that situation? It was an angel that came to Joseph and actually told him what was happening. And in a dream, he was kind of wrestling with what to do. And the angel played a pivotal part in that conversation. Luke tells us that it was an angel who brought the announcement of the birth of Jesus to Mary. This teenage girl who knew that she was still a virgin receives this message from an angel that she is going to be carrying the son of God. Now think about that. Again, we gloss over this story. It's one we've heard hundreds and maybe thousands of times. And so it's easy for us to miss this idea that a virgin teenage girl would get this message and be okay with it and not absolutely freak out. Now, I don't have a lot of experience understanding the emotions of girls. I'm sure if I live my entire life, I won't understand it. I I tweeted last night after 11 o'clock for those that are, you know, late night owls, you know, whatever, that my three-year-old daughter at a little after 11 last night was still up and still talking. She's three. She had not stopped to take a breath. I mean, she hadn't stopped talking for about five or six hours, I think around dinner time, she started talking and she just kept talking. She was like the Energizer bunny. She just kept going and going and go. Corey was way more patient, way more grace-filled than I was because about two hours in, I was done. My ears were bleeding. I didn't know what we were talking about. We had gone from talking about her to talking about her dolls. Now we were playing some fanciful story and I didn't even know who the characters were. I didn't even know if I was in the story. And she's just walking around the house, carrying stuff, picking stuff up. And then she would kind of play between both worlds. Like she had gone to bed and then she came downstairs not to say, dad, can I have some juice? She said, do you know what my royal family up there lets me do? I was like, no. She said, my royal family up there lets me have juice at bedtime." Five hours in, my, my want to response was like, well, then you need to go tell your royal family to. But as the loving father of a three-year-old daughter, I got her some juice. But I don't understand all the emotions of the female species, mind you. I got an amen over here from an engaged man who probably needs to keep his mouth shut. If it's, Oh, was that Rick? I thought it was, okay, Rick. Probably, your wife's great with child too. You probably want to keep your mouth shut as well. But here's what I don't understand. Here's what I don't know. I don't know how a teenage girl gets this news and responds in a way that's like, may it be to me as you have said. That's something pretty incredible but it was an angel that delivered the news to Mary. Not only that, but Luke also tells us that it was the host of the angels, this host, this multitude of the heavenly hosts that came and delivered the announcement to the shepherds. And that's what I want us to read this morning. In Luke chapter two, beginning in verse eight, I want us to read two different here parts of the story. One angel declaring something and then the host of the angels declaring something else. Luke chapter two, beginning in verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Just stop right there and let me say to you, I'm so thankful that Luke included that last part of the sentence. Because if I'm out in the middle of the field watching sheep, first of all, you know something's wrong because no one would entrust their sheep to me. But second of all, if I were there and an angel appeared to me, at the very least, I would be filled with great fear. So I'm so thankful that Luke included that beginning again in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I'm going to read that one more time, what the angel said to them. The single angel, one person saying to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Continuing in verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Your translation may say, peace among those upon whom his favor rests. Or even your translation may say, peace to all people, which connects to what we read a few minutes ago. But I love this story in Luke, Luke 2, 8 through 14, because we have one angel saying something to the shepherds, and then we have a multitude of the heavenly hosts joining with this one angel to declare something else. And they do complement one another, but they are two separate things that are stated. The one single angel, when they are filled with great fear, says, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's one part of this. And he says, for unto you this day, born in the city of David is a savior, Christ the Lord, and he said, then this will be a sign to you. When you get there, you're going to find the baby. And then a bunch of angels, a bunch of the multitude of the heavenly host show up. And then they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom his favor rests. Peace among all men. So there's two different messages here that I love. The first of those messages that we read from the individual angel saying to the shepherds is, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. To me, that one sentence is the story of Christmas. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's the story of Christmas. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. If I could just stand up here and repeat that today, that's the story of Christmas. And we could actually spend six or seven or eight weeks just dissecting that one line to really understand how it applies to us. We're not going to do that. I've only got about 15 minutes left, but here's what I want you to know. Fear not. There's a lot of stuff in this world for you to be afraid of. There's a lot of things in this world that can rob you of your hope and your joy and the peace that you are really called and created to experience in God. And the angels show up and these shepherds are afraid. And what is the first thing that he says? Fear not. And then he goes on to say, for I bring you good news. Now, here's here's what I know. And this is kind of a soapbox issue for me. So just let me rant for a second. I haven't preached in about a month. Um, I think we get the story of the Gospels wrong when we present it in a way that doesn't come across as good news. The Gospels, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible, the story of who he is should be the best news anybody's ever heard. And yet sometimes we present it in a way that doesn't sound so much like good news. It doesn't sound very much like good news at all. Now, I'm not saying we should shy away from talking about sin. I'm not saying that we should shy away from talking about the judgment of God. I believe that. I know it's coming. I don't stick my head in the sand and say it's not coming. Here's what I believe, though. Why would I focus on that? Other than to illuminate that its existence is real, when I can focus on the good news, that God loved you and loved me enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to earth so that you and I could stand before him on the day of judgment, understanding that we we have taken on the righteousness of Christ and that our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west because we have received the free gift of salvation when we have believed in Jesus Christ, repented of our sins, acknowledged our need for a savior. Why would I focus on that part of the story when I can focus on the good news? That's what the angel led with, wasn't it? He says, don't be afraid. There's a lot for you to be afraid of, including the judgment of a holy and righteous God that must be a part of the story. But fear not, I've got good news. Do you know what had happened up to this point over the last three or 400 years? God had been silent. If you read through the Old Testament, you see these accounts of God speaking to his people. God was just constantly in communication with his people in the Old Testament. He was speaking to Moses and he was speaking to Abraham and he was giving them these incredible dreams and visions. He was talking through Joseph and he was talking through the prophets and he was kind of leading his people by way of a pillar of fire and clouds and he was directing them and guiding them. And then something happens at the end of the Old Testament. God goes silent. He gives no more direction. He gives no more instruction. He quits being explicit or even implicit really with the words that he would have for his people and he goes silent and these people are left to kind of live on their own and do what they think is right there's even examples in scripture that talk about that they did what was right in their own eyes we read this even when God was speaking but even again further in the Gap between the Old and the New Testament and some supplementary literature that we read that talks about what was happening in this period when God quit talking. And then we get to Luke chapter two. And we see accounts even in the other gospels. When we come to Luke two, God is speaking again. He enters the world. The angel steps onto the scene in the middle of the sky to a bunch of shepherds. And he says, I know there's a lot to be afraid of because you haven't been hearing me talk for a couple hundred years, but just know this I've got good news of great joy. Fear not. There's good news of great joy. And here's the part that I love the good news of great joy. You know who it's for? All people. Everybody say, all people. Three people didn't say it. Say all people. all people. Not all the people still said it. Say all people. all people. Some of you still didn't say it. That's okay. You're the Grinch. All people. That's my favorite part. That the angel shows up and says, I have good news of great joy to be for all people. Now, when you read through. The start of the New Testament. I love the start of the New Testament. I don't know if you've ever done any like Bible reading plans. If you have a smartphone or your computer, you go to UVersion.com or you can go to the Bible app developed by lifechurch.tv and they've got these Bible reading programs and there's others, there's devotional books. You can go a lot of different places to find them. I don't know how you've ever started, but you can start a couple of different ways. I've started a bunch of different ways. Um, sometimes I start in the book of Genesis and I'm gonna read the Bible through that way and I do great until I get to Leviticus. I just do, and then I get bogged down there, and when I get to numbers, my eyes glaze over as we're just counting folks, and you know, there's just a lot of things sometimes, and then I get stuck, and then I'm, I feel bad, and it's like guilt and condemnation I haven't read in like six months, and it's like almost Christmas, and I gotta finish, and now I gotta read the whole rest of the Bible through in like 90 days, and so I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever started in the New Testament, but if you start in the New Testament and you start in Matthew chapter 1, again, it just seems like we're just talking about people. This guy begat that guy. This guy's the father of that guy. He begat him, he begat him. And you're like, what in the, when can we get to the good part here? But I love why we start Matthew chapter one that way. Because you know what we're doing? We're actually foreshadowing a little bit by looking back. I mean, now it just blows your mind, right? It's inception in here. We're just going all through here. Matthew chapter one is this idea where we are looking at the stories of the past and the people of the past to understand what the angels are declaring in Luke chapter 2. That there's good news of great joy for all people. And you know who some of those all people are? Let me just give you a couple of examples that Matthew was talking about. He was talking about a guy named Judah. Judah, as you might know, was one of the brothers of Joseph, the guy that wore the, you know, the coat. That's why I'm wearing a coat today, just so, to, no, I'm not. But he, he was one of the guys that sold Joseph into slavery, And so you would think, man, that guy's a terrible brother. And yet Matthew wanted you to know that he was important to the story. Not only that, but there's this woman named Tamar, and she was this Canaanite daughter-in-law of Judah who, because of Judah's negligence, took the desperate measure of posing as a prostitute to become the mother of two sons by Judah. I mean, this is like desperate housewives or something. Matthew also talks about a woman named Rahab. Yeah, the Rahab who was also a Canaanite prostitute who believed in the God of Abraham and was saved by Joshua and the spies because she helped them along the way there's also King David who we know is the guy who in the springtime when kings go off to war according to first Samuel he was actually up on the roof and he sees Bathsheba bathing and he brings her to the palace and not only does he have an affair he also kills her husband and then the child that they birthed together actually dies we read about these stories time and time and time again here. And here's why I think that's important. Because Matthew wanted you to know what Luke was going to tell you in Luke chapter 2. That there's good news of great joy for all the people. Because you know who those names are in Matthew chapter 1? They're the genealogy. They're the family tree of Jesus Christ. All these stories that we just read, and I just summarize briefly, these are just a few of the generations that preceded Jesus, through whom God chose to bring his son to the earth. You can read some of these other family trees and genealogies and other gospel accounts, and they trace a different part of the line, maybe through Joseph, the adopted father, maybe through Mary, or even in some of the other gospel accounts, kind of directing us back to God. But you see that it's good news of great joy for all the people Now, here's what I know when I hear all the people, because if you're anything like me, you don't actually think that they mean all the people. You just think they mean some of the people because you've met all the people. And you know, some of those all people are not good enough to be in all the people. They're just some of those people, right? You're actually gonna celebrate Christmas with some of those folks in just a few days. They're in your family. And if you don't have anybody in your family like that, you are that person in your family that everybody's worried about right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. We got a lively crowd today. It's Christmas. You've met all the people. And you know that not all the people are actually the kind of people that God would use, right? I mean, you've met them. Even beyond meeting them, you look in the mirror sometimes to see some of all the people. And you know what all of you looks like. Well, John Legend reference right there. That's okay. You know, you know that there's some stuff back there in your past and you're not sure that a loving God who sent an angel to talk to a bunch of shepherds to declare that there was good news of great joy would actually be talking about you. Surely, surely not. He actually meant to say, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy for the good people. I bring you good news of great joy for the people that were baptized as a child. I bring you good news of great joy for people that are in life groups or who serve on a serving team. I bring you good news of great joy for people who give regularly. I bring you good news of great joy for people who were on the Sunday school roll at the First Baptist Church of Cherokee County somewhere in their past with their parents and Those are the people that the angel was talking about. Not all the people. And you know how I know? Because I run across a story in the Old Testament that Pastor Trevor actually preached about the Sunday after Thanksgiving. If you weren't here, you need to listen to that message on our podcast online. But he talks about the story of Jonah. And here's what I love about the story of Jonah. Jonah is called by God to go reach all the people. And you know what he does? He assumes like me and you that there's some people that are just too far from God. He says, nope, not doing it. Not only am I not going there, I'm actually gonna go in the complete opposite direction. And in Jonah chapter three, we get the end of the story a little bit. It kind of goes into Jonah chapter four, but Jonah has gotten onto a boat and the guys realize when a storm kicks up that he's the reason and they throw him overboard and he's swallowed by a whale and he spends three days in the belly of a fish. And somehow in those three days, God actually gets a hold of his heart, which I think would happen to me as well. And so then that whale comes and spits Jonah up onto this island and onto this land. And when he gets out, he goes and does what God has said he's supposed to do. And he goes to Nineveh to this place and the people there repent. And and they, they turn from their wicked ways and they turn to God. And this is Jonah's response. After all that, God already got his heart. He spent time in the the belly of a fish. He's been spit up. I would think now he's just in line with what God wants him to do. He goes and he sees the miraculous work of God towards all the people of Nineveh. Nineveh. And this is what it says in Jonah chapter three, verse nine. Who knows? These are the people of Nineveh talking. God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. Jonah chapter four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. Listen to this. For it is better for me to die than to live. You know what Jonah's really saying right here? God, I don't like that you save all people. I don't actually like that, God, you are a gracious God abounding in love. Now, here's the ugly part of the human heart. I won't indict anybody else in the room but me. Here's the ugly part. We want God's grace to extend as far as us, but there are definitely people who are farther than us that don't deserve God's grace, right? That's what we think. Whether we say it or not, that's why in our heart, we're convinced that the guy who is dying on his deathbed in the hospital and just says, Lord, forgive me. Like when someone would tell you that God actually forgives him in that moment, there's just a little part of you that dies, doesn't it? There's just this little part of you that's like, that's not fair. He lived this rotten, awful, sinful life. Didn't have to go to church. He didn't have to go to a life group. He never had to set up Sequoia High School ever. He did not join a volunteer team. He never gave 10% of his earnings. He was a terrible person. That's the part of the story of the thief on the cross next to Jesus that just rubs us the wrong way, doesn't it? He's a thief on the cross. We know he's guilty. And he looks to Jesus and he says, remember me this day in paradise. And Jesus does. And we hate that part. Because there's a little bit of us like Jonah He says, see, God, I knew you were going to do that. Why do you have to do that, God? That doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. I thought I had you figured out in how you doled out grace. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God's a universalist and that everybody is saved. But I'm saying that the angel declared that there was good news of great joy for all people because they could be saved. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat, except that we all kind of tend to rank ourselves against other people and assume that we're better than those folks, but worse than these folks. And somewhere in the economy of God, there's just enough grace to get to us, but surely there are people too far removed. But the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. All people. All You know what the multitude of the heavenly hosts declared when they showed up? This one angel had been talking to the shepherds for a little while and then a group of them gathered together and they declared something else in verse 14 that we read in Luke chapter 2. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom God's favor rests. Peace among all men. You want to know Who Jesus is in Christmas? He's the glory of God and peace for mankind. That's what the multitude of the heavenly host declared. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to mankind. Pastor Mark, who's our senior pastor at both of our Mount Perry North locations, has said a thousand times, He says, you know, Jesus is 100% man and 100% God, uniquely blended together. In our economy, in the way that we do math, and the way that we do numbers, we assume that Jesus coming to earth, who had to be God and man, was somehow 50% God and 50% man because that's how you get 100%. It was 100% man and 100% God uniquely blended together. He was the glory of God and peace for mankind. That's what the angels were declaring. They were declaring, this is the best Christmas ever. They're saying, listen, I want to interrupt the story of you tending sheep to tell you that this is the best Christmas ever. Because when you get over there, there'll be a sign to you that there's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That's your present. That's the gift that you get to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out. Unwrapping the goodness of who that child is in your heart and who the God that he represents is in your life. The angel said, listen, The glory of God and the peace for mankind is wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. And don't be afraid because this is good news of great joy for all the people. It's the best Christmas ever. Now, what did I say the best Christmas ever was? It was receiving a gift that you weren't expecting or it was experiencing something that exceeded your expectations. Can I just say to you regarding the story that you've heard hundreds and hundreds of times, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift you can ever receive. He is the gift you don't deserve and you probably didn't think you would get because you assume that you're outside of the group of all people. But he's also this experience that will exceed your expectations. The angels are saying, This is the best Christmas ever. Because the glory of God has been united with the peace for mankind and a baby. Lying in a manger. There's two groups of people in the room today, and I understand that. There might even be more than that. But as I've prepared, I assume that all of us fall in one or two, one of these two camps. We need to receive Jesus. We need to open the gift that the angels were talking about and receive this unexpected gift of Jesus Christ. It's not a December to remember Lexus with a bow tied on it. It's not whatever the gift that you wanted as a child but didn't receive. It's, it's not that. It's an even greater gift than that. Because it's good news. And it's great joy. And it's peace. And it's hope. Right? Who, who did they say had come? They said, born to you this day... In the city of David. So the man part of God here in Jesus Christ is represented. Born to you this day in the city of David is Christ. He's the Savior. He's the anointed one of God. He's the once for all time sacrifice. Which means that you don't have to live under the law any longer. You don't have to worry about making the sacrifice every time that you sin. You can receive from God this free gift, this once-for-all time, anointed of God, this Christ, this Savior. Because he didn't stay a baby. He became a man and he lived and he did ministry. And eventually, because of the ministry that he did and the message he proclaimed, that it was actually for all people, that's really what got him killed. Because there were a bunch of religious people who assumed they knew who God really came for. They assumed it was for them. Just like sometimes we assume it's for us. That's what got Jesus killed. Is that the religious people assumed that they knew who all the people were. And surely it wasn't some of those people. But guess what today? If you have never received the gift of Jesus Christ, this gift, you are all the people. You're all the people. You're the person that Jesus came to earth for. Like, it's you. This is the best Christmas ever. You've not been left out. You didn't show up to the tree and everybody opened a gift and you don't have one there. Maybe a minute ago when people were singing, you didn't know what to say. Maybe you didn't know what to sing. Maybe you looked around and you're like, what are they doing? Because you felt like you'd been left out. There was something that they were experiencing that you didn't know how to. Guess what? This is the best Christmas ever. You get to be a part of that. This is the family of God. So many people in this room have already accepted Jesus Christ, this free gift into their hearts and into their lives. They have received him as the savior, as Christ the Lord. But there's a lot of people in this room that have not. And today could be your day. And here's this cool part of the story. It's not necessarily a part of the Christmas story, but it's a part of the Jesus story. Scripture tells us that if you decide today to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life, that it's the best Christmas ever in heaven too. Because they are rejoicing. These angels that came and declared that it was good news of great joy for all people were just waiting on all the people to say, I wanna be a part of all the people that receive the good news of great joy and receive Christ the Savior as Lord of my life. And they just throw a big party. It's the best Christmas ever in heaven when you say it's the best Christmas ever for me because I want to be all the people. There's another group of people in the room and we're the, we're the folks that have received the gift. We've heard the message before in some other setting, some other context and we've responded to that and we've opened this gift of salvation into our lives and into our hearts. And I would say to you today, the same thing that I have wrestled with for me over the last week or so. The angels came and declared to the world that God sent his son to people who need him. When was the last time you declared that to the people you know who need him? When was the last time that we declared to the people we know in need of Jesus that he came for them and that they're all the people, it's them. There's an incredible song that has just been on a loop on my computer and on my phone, in my car and in my office. I've been listening to this song for several months it's not a new song, but for whatever reason, I, I'm not saying it was all pointing towards today necessarily, but man, this song has just been like, just in my heart. And Sean and I have been dialoguing over the last few weeks about today's service and, and where we would wrap this thing up and how we would conclude this moment here. And I, I'd been wrestling with it. I think it was Monday of this week. I texted Sean and I said, man, I don't know if it's even possible, but this is the song that I think captures so much of what I think the angels were declaring. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. That unto you this day in the city of David, a savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In that moment, a multitude of the great heavenly hosts join with him in saying, glory to God in the highest and peace to all people with whom God is pleased ask everybody in the room just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Whether you're standing or sitting, nobody's looking around. And I just want to give those of you in the room who may not have ever received the gift of Jesus Christ into your heart and your life. Maybe you did, but it's been a while and you know you've just turned away. You're you're living contrary to who God is and you're just doing your own thing, your own life. You know you are not living in a relationship with Jesus Christ today just to receive that free gift. Nobody's looking around, your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. Everyone is just searching their own heart to say, is it good news of great joy for me? Am I all the people? The Bible tells us that what I quoted a little while ago, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But not only does it say that, it says that while we were yet sinners, (coughs) Christ died for us. The Bible tells us that that's how God demonstrates his love towards us. And so today, if you would say to me, Jeremy, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I know that I need to receive Christ as the Lord of my life. And I want this to be the best Christmas ever. I want to respond to Jesus I want to find the baby. I want to take that child, that man who went to the cross for me. I want to take him into my heart and into my life. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just lift your hand right where you're at. You can put it right back down. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? You just lift your hand right where you're at. Thank you so much. I just don't want to move too quickly right here. Several hands throughout the room. Anybody else? If you say, I know that I need to receive Jesus today into my heart and into my life, I want to be that all people. I know that I have made mistakes. I know. But I know that Jesus came to earth for me. And I want to respond to that. Anybody else, you can put your hand down as soon as you raise it. Thank you so much. I just want to pray now for every one of these hands. So many hands today. God, I thank you today for every person that lifted their hand I thank you today, God, for every person that wants to make this the best Christmas ever. I thank you for every person that for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, responds to you to say, I want to find the child that was sent to earth for me. I want Jesus to be in my life and in my heart. I want him to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. God, when they lifted their hand, it was just the outward sign of what you're already doing in their heart. And they're responding to you today, and I thank you for that. And I thank you that in that single moment when their heart turns to you in recognition of themselves as a sinner in need of a Savior, as so many of us in this room, myself included, have already done, that, God, in that moment, you forgave them. You you didn't wait on them to do anything else. You just waited on them to recognize their need for you. And So, God, today, as they respond to you, as they seek your forgiveness... I pray that they would experience your love. As they seek something that will cover their guilt and their shame, I pray, God, that you would just give to them your peace. That, God, you would extend to them hope in their hopelessness. God, I pray right now that this would be the best Christmas ever. I thank you, God, that in heaven it already is because of these people that have lifted their hand and lifted their hearts to you today to respond to their need for you. And God, I thank you that I'm a part of a church that celebrates that. Every single hand raised, every single heart turned to you is not just a number, it is a name and it's a story. And God, I thank you that we celebrate those things. Help us to walk with these people hand in hand as they take their next steps in a relationship with you. God, I also pray for every person in this room who's walking with you And God, we just need to be like the angels. We need to declare that you have come for people that need you. God, let me live a life that reaches far beyond this stage and enters into the homes of my neighborhood. And when I'm out walking and when I'm at work and when I'm at lunch and help every one of us in this room, that our lives would be a testament to who you are and that we would declare that there's good news of great joy for all the people. Don't let us try to determine who all means. God, let us declare that there's good news of great joy for all the people. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who is the glory of God and the peace for mankind. And thank you, God, that this is the best Christmas ever for a bunch of folks in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together today and just celebrate? what God has done. I don't know if you know this, but that's why we exist. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life and the first step in that process is just taking Christ into our hearts, into our lives. And we are so thankful if you made that decision today for the first time.